the challenge, the opportunity to connect. The 1960s, a time of imagination and change, a time of anger and fear. The 1960s, a program called Challenge. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Looked at our connections, our divisions, through the lens of faith. Nearly 60 years later, during these challenging times, we'll take a new look at our divisions, our connections, in a new program called Challenge 2.0. The caricature of television news used to be, if it bleeds, it leads. Now that seems to be less of a caricature than a simple reflection of reality. With changes in technology, round-the-clock news cycles, and binge-like social media usage, bad news is increasingly leading to bad emotional health. How can we bear bad news without emotional burnout, compassion fatigue, or outright depression? That's the focus of this edition of Challenge 2.0. And we'd like to welcome three wonderful guests with a great deal of wisdom and experience and depth in the issue that we're going to be talking about today. On my left, Imam uh, Jamal Rahman, Pastor Don McKenzie, and Rabbi Ted Falcon. And we thank each of you for participating. Each, we should mention, a member of the Interfaith Amigos, and I understand this group was founded in the wake of 911 uh, to foster interfaith understanding and communication and re representing your respective faith traditions. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Challenge. Thank, thank you. you. There is no shortage of bad news, either individually absorbed or sent out through broadcasting newspapers and various other venues. When we get bad news, perhaps we should begin at the beginning, what happens with our bodies and with our minds? Well, it's interesting because there is a visceral response, you know, whether we want it or not. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, anxiety responses, there's stress responses in the body, there's sometimes, depending on the kind of news, we can almost become immobilized in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, setting off those old fight or flight or freeze responses, um, uh, the awakening of physical responses to fear. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the mind just gets pulled into the attraction that fear gives. Uh, all the media knows this. It's, it's how they get us to keep watching, mm -hmm. you know, by promoting what we are afraid of. So there is a physical response, and there is a emotional response, and there is a mental response. And all of us need to learn some ways of dealing with that. Uh, you know, when this is um, uh, unchecked, not taken care of, then of course physically we become uh, overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then uh, our minds get clouded, our feelings get exaggerated, and this creates what in the tradition is called the negative imaginary scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then we're not able to take the right action. We uh, react rather than respond. And that's very dangerous. So for example, you know, there's so much of extremism. Mm -hmm. uh, so in fighting extremism, we ourselves might become extreme. In fighting injustice, we ourselves might become unjust. Mm -hmm. And we begin to think that, you know, uh, the uh, uh, ends justifies the means when this is unchecked. So is it important, given what each of you have said, to distinguish between uh, the stimulus, what we first receive or perceive, the feelings that follow it, and our response? Is it important to separate those out as we 
look as to the best way to respond to that? You're you keep looking. No, you're, <laughs> the, you're the psychologist. Christianity, doctor. Islam, chronology. We, we have this. Uh, it's one, two, three. We have this way. I start, and then they fix things. Um, so, so here's the problem. What we support is uh, encouraging people to do spiritual practices that allow us to step into a kind of uh, emotional, mental, and physical frame where we are able to honor the responses that immediately surface, but hold them in some kind of context which is greater. One of the interesting things that's been found about people who meditate is that often we respond more sharply even mm. to uh, surprising events. But because of that practice, we are able to uh, return to a more calm state far more quickly. So it's a matter of being mindful of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And the mere fact of being mindful we have a feeling rather than the feeling having us. We have a fear rather than the fear having us, and we're, we're more able to have choices that otherwise wouldn't be available. You know, but that requires some, some kind of practice and some kind of preparation. That doesn't come just with a cognitive understanding. You know, it comes with some kind of practice and some kind of... Um, learning of what it's like to attain and maintain some kind of balance mm -hmm. and to know that it's always going to be ups and downs in life. There's, there's no way to avoid that. And the mind knows only by contrast. There's going to be sweet and sour. There's going to be uh, bitter and attractive, easy and difficult, and with practice, we are able to incorporate both of those and sustain ourselves in a much healthier way. Any response to that issue of developing a perception of this is the stimulus, this is the response that my body does, and how do I go from here? Any further perceptions? Well, I think, I think what Rabbi Ted has said is something that leads to, and we've talked about this, a kind of way of being mm -hmm. so that when the problem comes up, you're not saying, now let me think, I've got to do this, this, and this. Instead, right. because of practice over time, there's a natural, or a natural response. You're predisposed to a way of responding that is far more healthful than the normal way where we get upset and so forth mm -hmm. and don't, don't come back to normal. I think it's very critical from what my brothers have said. When there is bad news, uh, it's important that we don't, of course, overreact. In, in other words, can I restrain myself? Mm -hmm. uh, not say something or do something which I will regret later. But having done that, it is critical, uh, and this has been suggested, that we do the practice of honoring mm -hmm. and healing and integrating those difficult feelings. Mm -hmm. See, the Quran, as a Muslim, uh, I take great joy in the verse in the Quran that says that, all feelings come from God. In other words, uh, the great sages say that means all feelings, whether it's hate or anger or jealousy or bitterness, they're sacred. We, it's just an energy that is separated from us mm -hmm. and it has an edge only because it is separated and we have to do the practice of honoring it, embracing it with compassion and love 
and integrating it so it becomes transformed. So anger becomes, let's say, vitality and enthusiasm. But that spiritual practice of dealing with the feeling is critical. Do you need to have different responses based on whether something is a very short-term, uh, you know, as immediate as getting an unwelcome phone call or unwelcome bit of news at work, as opposed to a long-term enduring source of irritation or distress? Do you need to have different ways of approaching that, or are there some commonalities there? I think the system responds differently to mm -hmm. them. Oftentimes, we are far more aware of the immediacy of response to uh, specific bad news or a bad report, mm -hmm. and less aware of a kind of anxiety and tension that just builds and builds and builds. The most prevalent psychiatric uh, psychological disorder these days is anxiety mm -hmm. disorder, and we live in a time of enhanced anxiety. Mm -hmm you know, both as a rabbi and as a psychotherapist, this is extremely prevalent. Mm -hmm. and, it, and much of that is a response to a continuing escalation of a kind of anxiety, Anxi you know, anxiousness and fear that is always underlying and exacerbates the experience when specific things happen. You know, and both have to be attended to. When you talk about preparation, uh, it almost, the image that comes to me is of in an athletical pers athletic pursuit, they talk about muscle memory. You just do it so often that it flows exactly. naturally. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is that similar to what we're talking about in terms of the way you perceive and respond to events like this? You know, I think it's critical that we just don't do the practices only when there's a crisis, right. when there's bad news. If we do it, make it a part of our daily practice, mm -hmm. then this question becomes moot. Meaning, if I practice silence, if I do those practices where I uh, acknowledge, heal, and honor, and interrogate my difficult feelings, then whether it's short-term or long-term, I have a period where I experience what Buddhists call equanimity, mm -hmm. or inner peace, and I'm able to actually respond uh, and not uh, react in a way that I regret later on. Mm -hmm. So it's important that I do this, these practices on a regular basis, crisis or no crisis. Does our overall view of life tend to impact on how we respond and perceive crises, bad news, that sort of thing? You know, if you're able to frame your life with blessings, mm -hmm. then you have the resources to cope with the curses, the negative things. But if your life is framed with curses, you don't have access to blessing. I mean, it's a, a, a way of understanding experience that is, there's a drama there that's so different from one to the other. Mm -hmm. And it permits the, the person who is able to see life framed by blessings to respond in these ways that we're talking about far more easily, far more effectively, and far more hopefully. One of the practices in Jewish tradition is the very first thing one is uh, to say when one awakens in the morning is a prayer that begins Modeani or Modaani of uh, a woman. I give thanks in your presence, Holy One of all being, for you have restored to me my I-ness, my here I am. Mm -hmm. it, it's like I begin the day with gratitude wondering what opportunities that will appear 
that are in need of healing or that are in need of love or that are in need of compassion. You know, but starting with, I'm glad to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to be with exactly the people I need to be with. And I'm exactly the one I'm supposed to be right, right now, right today. And that sets a frame, a mood, uh, a central affirmation mm -hmm. for a day. You know, it is a world of opposites. Mm -hmm. uh, difficult, difficult feelings will come up. Uh, troubled times will arrive. You know, there's a wonderful saying um, by Rumi. He says, you know, um, God turns us from one feeling to the other. So we might have two wings to fly, not one. So difficulties will come. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we run towards difficulties because it has lessons to teach. Uh, there's a wonderful saying, don't run towards difficulties or difficult feelings, just don't run away from them. And the third point I wanted to make, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he would say that, you know, when difficulties happen, afflictions happen, his prayer was, oh God, save me from its harm, but do not deprive me of its good. That is important to know. Mm -hmm. So. In these instances, and you've alluded to those, how would you recommend, how do you recommend people deal with feelings, experiences in a way that's ultimately constructive and not destructive? The thing that I suggest when people are seriously upset mm -hmm. uh, is tithing. Now, tithing is usually seen as something we do with money. Mm -hmm. But the principle of tithing is far deeper than that and far more universal. And I encourage people to tithe their time, uh, which means six minutes out of every hour or 12 minutes out of every two hours. Like, okay, you're engaged in your life, your life is having a lot of busyness, a lot of demands, and you are dealing with some kind of major upset. Mm -hmm. So at those times, at least 10% uh, of your time is spent calming yourself and returning to some kind of practice. Now there are specific practices in each of our traditions mm -hmm. and there are universal practices with, you know, silence, um, dealing with an affirmation, you know, some statement of calmness, of clarity, of um, kind of stepping into the feeling we want to step into. But just paying attention to the breath, just paying attention to the silence, mm -hmm. paying attention to centering oneself, particularly at times of extra stress and at extra need, can help us fend off often the kind of illness that comes with mm -hmm. um, extended and expanded stress as well as the psychological difficulties. You know, in Islamic spirituality, there's a wonderful practice called sacred holding, which derives from the insight that all feelings are sacred. It doesn't matter what it is. So if I'm experiencing a difficult feeling, uh, the first step is to just become very still and ask and give myself permission to feel that feeling mm -hmm. for purposes of healing and integration. Then number two is where in my body do I experience that? Every feeling has a corresponding physical sensation. So I try to locate it. Is it here? Is it here? Is it here? And when I locate it, the third step, very critical step is, can I simply, with compassion for myself, let's say it's here, I just embrace it with my consciousness and I'm present with it. Mm -hmm. No need to fix it. 
No need to analyze it, but a great need with compassion, mercy for myself, just to be present with it. If it moves, you just move with it. And the last step is, as you focus on that, what is called physical holding, you allow the divine breath, your breath to be inhaled and exhaled through that part of you and feel the breath caressing you there. And just that process over time begins to heal, soften, and integrate that difficult feeling. So, for example, fear might become transformed into becoming more mindful as a result of this practice of sacred holding. You talked, Rabbi Ted, about uh, the 10% uh, guideline in terms of six minutes out of 60, and you were just talking about sacred holding. What have been your experience, perhaps just to give our viewers a sense of what shifts do you feel within you uh, from the situation before you try that practice to after that, and perhaps as you've taught others that, what changes have you seen in them? You know, I, I think this is the process where you develop that sense of what we called equanimity. Mm -hmm. You know, my favorite story of the, the Buddhist monk whose house burns in a fire on a moonlit night, and all he does is, um, you know, just uh, looks at the moon and says, ah, finally, a perfect view of the moon at night. <laughs> <laughs> that sense comes all through a lifelong practice of silence, mm -hmm. sacred holding, uh, as you practice it every single day. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think the, the narrowness of the uh, way of understanding experience that comes when it's only the ego seeing mm -hmm. things uh, can be opened with meditation. I mean, simple meditation, the simply the feeling of the breath going in and out, um, from a Christian point of view, maybe using a verse to call yourself back to the center. But being in the center really, I think, means there's a much broader picture mm -hmm. than what the uh, ego would permit uh, to be felt at that point, yeah. So are we speaking of my, what's frequently called mindfulness meditation sure. at that point? Yeah, meditation, yeah. And have you in your experience seen some uh, demonstrable changes in some of the people that perhaps you've led in that direction? I, I think that I've seen, I've observed a calmness, a shift of energy mm -hmm. uh, with uh, that kind of meditation over, you know, a period of time. But um, the other thing that I have observed is uh, an awareness that all human emotions are properly addressed to God in prayer. And I mean, I think that's what the book of Psalms teaches us, among other things. And I think, you know, for some people, that is the only effective location mm -hmm. for the angst that can then break open and make meditation effective. And one of the things that I've found often most helpful is uh, called image rehearsal. And that is when I find myself responding automatically, um, reactively mm -hmm. to a situation in the moment of reactivity, Reactivity happens faster than the speed of thought. And then the ego gets defensive and tries to defend a particular response rather than going, oh, wow, I really got activated. I really something got re-stimulated. Um, but if one, when, I, when that happens, if I take time to imagine again that event happening or that stimulus happening, and in my imagination, Imagine responding to it more calmly. Mm -hmm. Imagine responding to it in a more centered way. And just play that in my imagination to, in a sense, 
install that as an automatic response. Mm -hmm. Because to, to deal with the reactive part of it, one has to have another possibility already there, you know, that can shoot forward. And we don't even know, I don't know when it's really there until it happens again. Mm -hmm. You know, when something happens and I might go, oh wow, you know, I, I'm here still. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't uh, react in that automatic old mm -hmm. way. That sounds like what you were speaking of earlier, and that is not having to take time to revert to a checklist, but having that through practice already be a part of who you are. I know I can think of many instances where I think I w wish I'd responded differently to that. When you find yourself in that place, is there something important that people should do? Well, the biggest thing to do is to have compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, because... What it automatically draws up is getting angry mm -hmm. at ourselves, which just exacerbates the whole thing. It makes it much worse. And it's the same thing when we're in the presence of somebody who gets reactive. You know, it's, it's like, it's not, oh, good, you got reactive, but it's like, oh, wow. You know, I, I hear that really, we're talking to ourselves, you know, I, I hear that really hurt or that really... Uh, struck a chord, you know, it's like, tell me about it. I think one of the places in Scripture where this is evident is in what's called the Ten Commandments in the Christian Scripture and Ten Principles in Jewish Scripture. And as my rabbi has pointed out, uh, the one that says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. God is not God's name. God's name is I am. Mm -hmm. And so if you say to yourself, I am something negative, mm -hmm. that's a violation of that commandment. And I mean, I think that is wisdom from a long time ago that still needs to be incorporated into our culture. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say it's sure. very important that I make restitution to say to that person subsequently, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. But if it's, that's not possible for whatever reason, there's a practice called expression resolution where I, in my imaginal realm, I bring that person in my uh, what is called sacred sanctuary in my meditation, and then I express whatever needs to be expressed to make right that wrong. And that by itself has a wonderful uh, effect of creating that healing and reconciliation. In the imaginal world, and because all worlds are interconnected, it has an effect on the real world also. Uh, as we talk about these different methods, People, I think, very often, and it's natural enough, think that maybe they won't feel sad anymore, they won't feel angry, they won't feel afraid. Is that realistic? Yeah, as long as you take enough drugs. Um, <laughs> you know, a frontal lobotomy helps with that. Well, I used to think that uh, as I pursued the spiritual path, I would experience life smoothing out and everything would be calm and everything would go well. And what I've discovered along the way is that the spiritual path encourages us to bless what is before us, you know, which is to say unconditionally accept. So we're not in a resistance mode. And as we do that, the universe seems to provide for us that which is in need of blessing. You know, and if we, if we just get that what is happening now offers us the opportunity mm -hmm to grow. If we get that conflict 
is the way we humans grow. If there were no conflict, we, we wouldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if we really look at how, how our own lives get shaped and how, what have we done, what have I done that I am most proud of? It's always a response to some conflict situation. You know, so it's a kind of different mindset about what am I meeting this day? Mm -hmm. um, and not expecting, oh, well, today everything's gonna go just fine. It's like, okay, I'm gonna find myself in a conversation with a Muslim and a Christian, you know? I mean, this is, talk about stress. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> but as you said, you're compassionate with yourself. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, so the key I would say is that, you know, I still feel all those difficult feelings, but because I practice compassion for myself, I grow from it. Uh, like, like Carl Jung always said, you know, said I, I love to repeat that, that, you know, will you have the courage, the compassion, the grace to kiss the demons and dragons within you? Mm -hmm. And when I do that, then it becomes transformed into a prince or princess. Yeah. I grew from it. Yeah. You know, once we were asked, once some, uh, somebody said to us, so you want to uh, eliminate conflict? Mm. And we said, no, we want to have the consequences of conflict be positive in the way that Rabbi Ted and my colleague Imam Jamal have been talking about blessing the things before us, mm -hmm. approaching them in a way that, that can be constructive. And that's our, that's our shtick. Well, as we transition from that, for viewers, for listeners that want to learn more, any particular resources that you would offer as prime resources for them? You know, I forgot to bring our book, the third one, uh, by the Interfaith Amigos, called Finding Peace Through Spiritual Practices. It has all those practices about being overwhelmed, dealing with anger, dealing with fear. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was fun to write and it's fun to read. Thank you so very much for being part of this Thank conversation you. and for offering your thoughts. Uh, it would be nice to look at the second aspect as to what we can do to maybe allow the social media, all the purveyors of information, to perhaps capitalize less on our tendency to react. Mm -hmm. And perhaps we can get together and talk about that another day. But wow. Thank you again, thank each you. of you, and thank you for joining us. Yes. And please join us again next week for the next edition of Challenge 2.0. If you've enjoyed this program, please give us five stars and leave a review. If you can also tell one friend about the show, that would be great. You can find us on social media at Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find out more and financially support the show at pathstounderstanding.org. The program is hosted by executive producer Jeff Renner, produced by Tom Butterworth and John Sharifi. Cameras and audio by Rich McAdams, Tom Butterworth, and Dean Puccio. Ian Olson is the production assistant.